So I didn't realize it was this far back. But does everybody remember the Chilean miners way back in 2010? So it was a group of 33 miners uh, who were, sur- uh, they survived uh, 69 days trapped at the bottom of a mine. Now it was estimated that they had less than 1% chance of getting even one miner back alive. And yet all 33 survived. Now, when interviewed and taught, they, they were asked, hey, how do you think you did this? Because the odds were definitely not in your favor. And they said, well, we weren't alone. The whole time we focused on what was good for the group and not as us as individuals. And so we worked together, we leaned on one another, and we were able to get through it because we didn't have to do it all by ourselves. They credited their survival to, again, focusing on what was best for the group. Today, as we begin this series that focuses on mental health and the Christian worldview, I want people to know, if you don't know, that as a Christian, at times, it is okay not to be okay. I'm going to say that again. It's okay not to be okay. You aren't alone. We can get through any ordeal together because there is strength in numbers, and you don't have to do it yourself. Now, first point of the day, it's okay not to be okay. The biggest struggle I had in life when I was first diagnosed with anxiety and depression was being stressed out and feeling guilty about having anxiety and depression. That didn't help anything. I had these two things I was struggling with greatly, and then on top of that, I felt bad uh, because I had that struggle. As a Christian, I shouldn't be depressed, right? At least that's always kind of what I had heard growing up. We have everything we need. God provides for our needs. He knows all. He provides all. We have been forgiven of our sins. We are given new life, and I just shouldn't be stressed out. And I think back to my own experience. I had great people in my life. I had pretty much everything I could have ever asked and hoped for, and yet I was still depressed. I was blessed in so many ways, and yet I was still dealing with this struggle. But if everything's going so well, and I know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, and I follow God the Father, I can't be depressed, right? It's just not allowed to happen. I present to you King David. Okay? First case study. I present to you King David. Let's look at some of his words. In Psalm 56, 8, he says, Record my misery. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not on your record? Psalm 42, 11, David says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. In three instances, in 2 Samuel 3.31, 12.16, and 1 Chronicles 21.16, David puts on sackcloth, covers himself in ashes, and mourns. Okay? And mourns. So basically what he did was he got the worst type of clothing he could find on. It was a symbol that, hey, everything is going wrong in my life. He covered himself in dirt from the ground and mourned three times in his life. Need I remind you that this is a guy who God said was a man after his own heart. And yet David dealt with depression. In 2 Samuel 12, we're told the story about the death of David and Bathsheba's first son, David was distraught. He wouldn't eat. He wouldn't even get up out of the dirt while his son was sick. He could not be consoled. When his son died, they feared telling him because they worried he would do something drastic. Listen to what it writes about this. On the seventh day, the baby died. 
David's servants, this is verse 18, by the way, David's servants were afraid to tell him that the baby was dead. They said, look, we tried to talk to David while the baby was alive, but he refused to listen to us. If we tell him the baby is dead, he may do something awful. They were worried that David would harm himself at the awful news that his child had died. You see, it's okay for a man after God's own heart to not be okay. And I say the same thing to you today. If you have ever heard it said that you shouldn't be depressed or that you shouldn't feel downcast because you are a Christian and you have experienced the love of Jesus, I'm here to tell you that at times in life, we are not okay. And that is okay. It's all right. Jesus wept when Lazarus died. He was anguished in the garden when facing death. As a Christian, it's okay to feel. We aren't weird. We aren't wrong. We aren't lacking in faith. Again, I'll say it again. We aren't weird. We aren't wrong. We aren't lacking in faith. In life, you can apply this to any struggle that you may face. When you're having a problem and when you're feeling confused and have anxiety and anguish about your next steps, it's okay to go through that range of emotions. It's okay to not just be completely confident all the time that God is going to see you through. I'm not saying that we shouldn't strive for that mindset. I'm just wanting it to be normalized for people to know that in the Christian faith, we don't always have to be perfect. We don't always have to have everything under our control. Sometimes God is the full answer. Sometimes he is. Sometimes we need to lean on God. We need to rely on God. We need to pray. We need to fast. We need to seek the king. Sometimes he's not the full entire answer. You may need counseling. You may need medication. You may need a number of things to make you well again. And I'm here to tell you that that is okay. I also want you to know that you're not alone. I've been very open about my struggle in recent weeks, but you are not alone. We've already talked about David. Let's look at a few others. Uh, you guys know all about Jonah, right? We'll talk about Jonah. Uh, Jonah, God says go. Jonah says no. Jonah goes left. God says, no, here's a fish. You're going to go right. Eventually, Jonah gets to where God called him to be, and um, his life circumstances drive him to the point of wishing for death. Now listen to this in Jonah chapter 4, 4 through 11. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. So what happens here is God has just forgiven this land that Jonah was called to, that Jonah wanted nothing to do with because they did not like followers of God. And so God had called Jonah to go to this land and call him to repent. And they had done so when Jonah did and said what God had finally wanted him to say. And Jonah became angry and he prayed to the Lord in verse two. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. Tarshish. Doesn't even sound like a word. I knew that you are gracious and a compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. 
The Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about that plant. Verse 7 says, But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die, and he said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, Jonah replied, And I am so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it, or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and so many animals. So God's talking to Jonah right now. Jonah is so incredibly upset about this plant that God had created and God had provided to give him shade. When that plant was taken away, Jonah was at the point where he just wanted to die. He didn't want to live anymore. He was that distraught over a plant. And God's kind of confronting him about this. And he's saying, listen, really what he's asking are, are your thoughts here rational? Are you rationally thinking? You're so concerned over this plant, but you see the city of 120,000 people and all of these animals, and you haven't cared about them. You didn't create that plant, and yet you care. Not only did I create this plant, I created all of these people. And that is why I care so much. But Jonah was not in a rational headspace. Here's the thing. Our thoughts may not always be rational, but it doesn't mean that our feelings aren't real. Jonah has been there and he's done that, right? I want to hear that again. Our thoughts may not always be rational, but it doesn't mean that our feelings aren't real. When I got diagnosed with anxiety and depression, I could have made you a list of a thousand things that were right in my life. I could have told you about all of the good that was there. I was engaged to Jerica. School was going well. I had a great job. I had good friends. I had great support all around me. My family is wonderful. Like I could just go on and on and on about all the good things. Clothes on my back, food obviously in my belly. Like I could just go on and on and on. And yet I still struggled with depression. And yet I still struggled with anxiety. A lot of times we look at our struggle and it may not be rational for us to feel the way we are feeling, but it doesn't mean that we don't feel that way. It doesn't mean that we aren't having that struggle. It's in times like those where, yes, we should lean on God, but we should also have enough faith that God has put things here on this earth for us to get the help we need in the times we need them. And sometimes the answer there is counseling. Like I said before, sometimes it's medication. But just because it's not rational doesn't mean that it's not valid. Listen to these words of Job. Job says in 3.11, Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came out from the womb? Job 3.26, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. In Job 10.1, he says, I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free reign to my complaint and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. Job could see no positive in his circumstances. Job, we would say, probably had some rational reasons to be so distraught. He lost everything. Everything. And yet he still had his life. And yet God had still provided all of his steps through his way. And yet he struggled. 
He struggled. And he had a great relationship with God. And yet, in dark times, he still felt this way. We all have struggles. And that's okay. That's okay. Sometimes we have completely rational reasons for the way we feel, even though that may be the case, it still hurts. And it still is something that we may struggle to get over. But we have to continue to push through. And the third thing I want everybody to understand and to know is that we can get through this together. We can get through this together. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. It tells us that two are better than one because they have a very good return for their labor. labor. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, we will keep them warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. My plea to you today is that if you are having a struggle, whatever struggle that may be, don't go through it alone. Don't go through it alone. That makes any struggle ten times worse. Ten times worse. I remember the day that I, I'll be honest, that I sought help. Now this is, I know kids are in the room and I'm not trying to be overbearing, but I'll just say it this way. I had some very dark thoughts. And a lot like Jonah, I was wishing for death. And I was real close. I really was. I was just tired of feeling the way I felt, feeling like I shouldn't be feeling that way because I knew Jesus and I knew God and everything was provided for me and, and that's just not what a good Christian did. So obviously I wasn't a good Christian and God must be mad at me for something and I had all of these irrational thoughts and I was done. I didn't want it anymore. I didn't want to live. I remember thinking if this is life, I just don't want it. And right before I was about to do what I shouldn't have done, I don't know why I call it the spirit, call it God, but I ran for my mama. <laughs> she was in the other side of our house doing laundry and I just kind of appeared in the doorway and I remember breaking down and finally letting go of everything that I had been feeling. And I'll tell you, the minute that I wasn't going through it alone, it got tremendously easier to go through. It got tremendously easier to go through. Does that mean that all of my struggle went away? No, it doesn't. Does it mean that just like that, the floodgates lifted and everything was fine and cheery and all of a sudden I was back to my old self? No, it doesn't. But it means that I wasn't going through it alone and that I had an ally and somebody there that could check on me and somebody who knew about my struggle and could make sure that I had the help that I needed. Now you may be sitting here today and saying to yourself, I have never felt that way. I have never been in a struggle that deep. Okay? But I am not a person that equates one person's situation to another or compares it in some way. Your struggle is your struggle. And just because your struggle may not seem that serious, it doesn't mean that it is not a struggle that you are not dealing with. It doesn't mean that it's not heavy on your heart. It doesn't mean 
that you should just go through it alone because you can look at other people and say, they have it way worse than me. Because I will tell you in that time, when I was in that mindset, I could point to people all around the world and say, there are billions have it way worse than I do. And yet the struggle and the pain and the confusion was all still there. So if you are going through something like that, reach out to somebody. Don't go through it alone. Talk to me. Talk to a brother or a sister or a mom or a dad or a spouse or a coworker. Talk to somebody. Do not struggle in this life alone because we are not meant to. We are not meant to. If we were meant to be alone, God would have never made Eve. If we were meant to be alone, we wouldn't have church. Okay? This would not exist. But God calls us to fellowship and to walk through life together and to share the burdens of each other. And so, I just want to encourage you to do that today, but... I also want to say this, last thing, just because you have a burden does not mean that you are a burden. Is that clear? Just because you have a burden, it does not mean that you are a burden. You will have people that love you and want to help you and want to walk through life with you. So share your struggles. And yes, lean on the Lord. But know that you may need more than that, and that's perfectly okay. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for the individuals that have found themselves in this room today. I hope that this message is something that relates, is something that encourages, and is something that people needed to hear this morning. God, may you completely remove me even while you use my experience in these times. God, help us to see that we are people who are supposed to go through these things together. That's why we have church, so that we can walk through life with one another and so that we don't have to do these things alone. God, give us the courage to reach out for help if we need it. Help us to not compare our struggles to other people's struggles and say, well, mine is not as bad as theirs, so I should just keep quiet. Help us to be people who love one another and who are kind and compassionate for people who are struggling around us. Because Lord, I know that sometimes that can be very, very tiresome. It can, it can make you grow weary to, to have to be that support system. But God, when we support others, they will support us. And we need one another. And we need you. I pray that we find ourselves in these times, God, that we aren't just turning our backs on you because that is an easy thing to do. It's easy to grow frustrated. It's easy to be ashamed and feel like we are somehow wronging you and, and withdraw. But God, it's in those times where we must dive deeper into you, into your character, into who you are as our Father. And I pray that we can be a church that loves our community through struggles like these. Pray that we can be people who look to be a sturdy presence in the lives of others when their lives are not in that place. We ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.